Welcome to the channel. Welcome to Golden, Colorado today. Uh, guess what? There's no wind <laughs> for the moment, but uh, it's supposed to snow today. Uh, may or may not. They kind of say it's going to, then they say it's not going to. So uh, uh, just because uh, Santa Claus and his reindeer are over the uh, uh, Golden uh, sign doesn't mean anything of any importance because we know that. You know, I just saw something interesting. Uh, there's something about down here that talked about golden and magic, uh, the magic of Christmas kind of thing. So we know that gold is no longer a Christian community. It wants to be. There's a lot of Christians who live here, but they have dedicated themselves to serving Satan. And uh, so that's one of the reasons why I come to Golden. It was founded on the Word of God, and uh, the Word of God left, and uh, so Satan moved in. And that's because of people, not because of God. But people kicked God out of the city. And people think that can't happen. I'll tell you what, it happens all the time. God was kicked out of the state of Colorado and ushered in Satan. When people kick out God, I'm talking about in your personal life, in your family life, your business, your school, your lifestyle, if you kick God out, Satan's gonna come in like a roaring, like imitating like a roaring mighty uh, lion. I was gonna say wind, but more like a lion. All right, and anyways, I wanted to mention the word magic back there. I saw that, and here a couple days ago, I saw that in some of the modern uh, textual critical Bibles that are founded on a satanic base, they, uh, they took out some words that are uh, biblical, Christian, biblical, religious type words, and they replaced them with the word magic. So, and I don't know which ones, I just saw that briefly, I didn't really pay any attention to that, but I saw it, and they listed some of the uh, modern Bibles that have been replaced. The word, I don't, know, I don't know what word they took out, I just remember seeing the word magic in their Bible. And I thought, isn't that interesting that many people, Christians, who are reading their Bible, their Bible, my Bible, uh, talks about magic. You know, and uh, that goes back to the wizards, which goes back to Satanism. This goes back to serving the God of this world and the original sin in the Garden of Eden. So that's what you're reading. But you think it's no big deal. So I just caution you. I thought that was interesting. I just saw that when I was walking up from the bus stop. 
where the bus lets you off if they park down there. All right, so let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come out to the streets here early in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, get out here nice and early and to be just nice and warm, all prepared to serve you all throughout the day. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for what you're doing in the people who are watching their lives. And Lord, those who aren't saved yet and they're still watching me, I pray, Lord, that uh, something good happens to them that brings them to the understanding that you love them, that you're not mad at them, that you want them to receive you as Savior, uh, their Savior, not somebody else's Savior, but their personal, private, individual Savior, so their name can be found in the Book of Life, uh, and they'll be able to see heaven. And uh, it's just, I just really pray for souls to be saved, Lord. That's why I'm out here. I'm out, I'm out here for a lot of different reasons, but that's probably the number one reason uh, after you know my saying yes to you lord but i want to see people touch for heaven that's what i'm doing lord and i thank you lord that others are touching people for you lord in your name jesus amen and amen <clears throat> it gets cold it gets hot it gets cold it's pretty chilly and uh i want to tell you kind of a funny thing that happened uh uh Normally when I come to Golden, I bring a thermos of coffee. God bless you, Brian. Brian got me that coffee and I, that big Stanley thermos. And I use that uh, when I leave town oftentimes. Sometimes I don't, but typically when I come to Golden, I do, because um, I know I'm here for a very long time. And uh, having a hot cup of coffee uh, kind of relaxes me a little bit. I know that sounds kind of weird, but uh, it, it does. That's what I used in the truck. It kind of calms me down. It kind of, I don't know, it just, it just helps me a lot. I don't drink a lot of it, but it's only like two cups. It's just a small thermos, but I kind of portion it out for the first hour, hour and a half out here. Anyways, uh, uh, normally I like to have some cream when I come out to the street here, and I drink black at home, and a lot of times I'll have some, some uh, cream in the coffee when I'm on the street. The reason I'm saying this is I didn't have any cream in the house. I didn't have anything to put in the coffee, just black, and I had some on the bus coming out here. I said, man, I need to have some cream, Lord. And the moment I asked the Lord, Lord, I need to have some cream for this coffee. I'm not going to drink it if I don't have any cream in it. It says, when you're walking down the street, uh, going that, he showed me, it's, I, it's like in my imagination, in my spirit, I could see what he was talking to me. He says, go on that in the restaurant and ask him for some cream. And they'll give you some cream. My first thought I thought of was when Jesus, when they asked, where well, Jesus, where are you going to spend the Passover? He says, go to this house and tell them I'm going to stay at your house and take the donkey there or the mule or whatever that horse was in the front. And, uh, I'll, and it happened just the way they said. Same thing happened here. So I, w I, I knew the restaurant, the one just down here a couple blocks. And I, I was going to pass it by. I said, don't pass by. I said, yes, sir. And I was scared. It's kind of unusual. I wasn't going to buy anything. So I walked into the uh, restaurant there. I said, can I ask you an odd, funny question? And he said, yeah, what? And uh, I left home without cream in my coffee, and I'm going to be out here all day and without any cream in my coffee. Can I bug you know, just a little bit of cream off you? To, you know, oh, yeah, sure. And hey, do you want, oh, you want this, you want this? I said, I'll take the, some coconut cream. <laughs> I thought, that's kind of cool. And uh, so they poured it, and they were all excited about helping me. The, the lady behind the counter, she was really excited about helping me. It's kind of a Hawaiian aloha type. And if you had come to Golden, I mean, go in there and say hello and thank you for helping that preacher. Uh, uh, it's just down here, kind of Hawaiian style. I know it's kind of funny to be in Hawaii, but that's the only restaurant that's really open on the way here. 
And uh, so I did exactly what the Lord showed me to do, and it happened exactly the way the Lord showed me. What does that tell me? Well, it tells me God loves me, number one. It tells me, uh, but what it really tells me is this. Listen, if God's going to tell you something and you do what God told you to do, it should happen. If you think God is talking to you and you do that and it doesn't happen, that was not God talking to you. That was either your spirit or your conscience uh, your, or, or a devil, but it wasn't God. And too many Christians say, oh, God said to do this, or God said that. That is not, and it doesn't happen, that's a devil talking to you. You know, so you gotta be alert. And that's why a lot of people don't like talking about learning to hear the voice of the Word of God. The voice of the Word of God. God has a voice, God has a mouth, God has a voice. It's the idols that don't have voice, these stone statues that don't have any voices, you know. <laughs> they don't have any voices, you know. So, anyways, and uh, so be alert to that. And uh, there's a lot of stories about that. You know, where is the first time we hear the voice of the Lord? Uh, that was when uh, in Adam was in the Garden of Eden, right? When God created man, God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and Ad and man became a living soul. Anyways, uh, uh, man, it's, sorry, it's a little cold here. And uh, and then it says that. Uh, the voice uh, of God, the voice of the Lord, walked in the garden. See, you have to know what the Word of God says. You know. Anyways, just thought to highlight that real quick. Uh, and so today's we're going to talk on uh, uh, our Sunday prayer letter. Went out Sunday morning. Goes out every Sunday morning around four o'clock Boulder time. December third Sunday prayer letter is titled uh, "Go unto His Friends to Refresh Himself." That was in verse 3. We talked on that earlier. I think we talked about that on Sunday. But uh, we're going to do uh, Friday and Saturday's message, part 6 and part 7. And that's uh, Acts 27, verse 32 to 44. So uh, and today's title is actually this one right here. I did the scripture short on that. And the title for our message is, They hoisted up the mainsail to the wind. They hoisted up the mainsail to the wind. I'll talk about that just for a second, then we'll get started. So they hoisted up the mainsail. And what I referred to in the scripture short is that when you hoist up the mainsail, that is like the power of the boat. That's like turning the motor on. It's like turning the engine on your car. Your engine is like the mainsail to your, to your car. And so uh, what, is the, what is the engine, what is the motor, what is the mainsail to us? It's our spirit. So we lift up our spirit, we hoist up our spirit to the wind of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God provides the power in the, our sail, our spirit. You see that? It's kind of cool when you look at it in a spiritual, with your spiritual eyes. Because this Bible is not just black ink on, or red ink on white paper, or parchment, or leather, or whatever it's carved on, or printed on. It, it's, it's a living word also. It's kind of interesting how it works. How does that work? Well, uh, I'm not going to go into that right now, but hoist, they hoisted up the mainsail to the wind. Hoisted up the main, hoist means that there's a work to be involved. You have to allow that to happen. If you don't allow that to happen, it won't happen. If you don't hoist, which is work, you have to pull all the lines and pull that mainsail way up there. I was a sailboat, I owned a sailboat for a while, and sometimes there's a little bit of work to get that mainsail all the way to the top of the mast, you know, and then cleat it off. 
And uh, as soon as that pulled up, pulled up, then we uh, positioned the sail to pick up the wind, and uh, we moved along. It was like our motor, you know. Even though I had a motor on the boat, uh, you know, the back, uh, I hoisted the mainsail. I learned to maneuver the boat by the sails of the boat rather than using a motor, you know. And you can look at it in kind of a funny sense. The motor could be uh, the, your own flesh, your own brain, or the world. But if you don't use the motor, which is the easiest thing to do, I mean, it's really easy to pull down the mainsail and just turn on the motor and motor into the dock. That's the easiest way to do it. But it takes a real, a lot of skill and a lot of training yourself to do that without the motor, to come into dock. Especially when I sailed on Whiskeytown Lake in Redding, California, I was able to sail and be able to sail right into the dock and then dump the sail and come right up against the pier without using the motor. But it took me a long time to learn that. I had to have somebody teach me how to do that because I always use the motor. It says, you don't have to use the motor, I'll show you how to do that. So somebody boarded the boat and he showed me how to sail the boat right into the pier and then turn the boat uh, into the wind, dump the wind out of the sail, and that boat just went right up to the pier. It was amazing. Jumped out, you know, lashed, you know, tied off the boat. It was amazing. So you want to hoist your mainsail, the Spirit, to the Spirit of God, the wind of the Spirit, and allow the Spirit of God to move you along. You don't need the motor. You don't need the world. You don't need your flesh. You just need the Spirit of God. Kind of interesting, right? They hoisted the mainsail to the wind. That's the title. All right, so let's get into our talk here and what we're going to do here. This uh, verse, uh, what verse is that? 32. These are prescription glasses, so I need thing. I need prescriptions to see far, but I, if I look at the Bible, I can't. It's all blurry because these are used for distance, but uh, I need to use them. <laughs> okay, uh, 32. Okay. 32. Chapter 37 in the book of Acts. You have Acts of the Apostles. Then the soldiers cut up. Now remember, I'm just reading little sections. I read some of it yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. You know, so we're moving right along. It's not that I'm taking something out of context. A lot of people accuse me of that, but they did because they just came along. They just came along and they say, oh, you're taking it out of context. No, I mean, I've been talking about this for a week. You know, you just, you're out of context, you know, but they're accusing me of being out of context when they're out of context. You know, anyways, that's kind of funny. People don't look at it that way. They want to accuse and blame instead of taking responsibility for their own life. That's what Paul says. Mind your own business, right? Mind your own ministry. Verse 32. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. A lot of sailing terms here. I understand what's going on. And, uh, but there's a lot of, these are all falling off as a sailing term, a, a navigational term. Not navigation, but, you know, you know, boat handling term, I guess you could say, boat handling term, something like that. All right, uh, to fall off, verse 33. And while the day was come on, coming on, so it's daybreak, the day was coming on, the sun was rising, Paul besought them all to take meat. So here's breakfast. So Paul made breakfast, basically for him, because the sun was coming up, daybreak's coming, and because uh, they, they were fighting the boat all night long, and all kinds of things were happening at night. Nobody slept that night. It was really horrible, so everybody was tired. Everybody's worn out. They've been fasting, wanting God to, I guess, to help them, whatever. And uh, so Paul cooked breakfast. Now, where's, where's another time that a, a man of God cooked breakfast for us? Well, that's the Son of Man. Jesus Christ cooked breakfast for the guys who are toiling all night when he was in his glorified body. 
He was he had fish on the fish and bread on the shore on the fire, and uh, he he cooked breakfast for him. The Son of Man, Son of God, cooked breakfast for those who fall away, who fell away. Peter denied Christ three times. Peter was out in the boat, but God cooked him breakfast. How about that? Are you cooking breakfast for people in your life? You know, I mean, it's just something interesting to look at. God bless you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's just really interesting. So uh, that's what we're going to do in our church. We're our churches. We're going to uh, have a meal for people so they don't have to leave church and go to some business. They can stay in church and have our meal right there. We're going to have a breaking of bread during our Sunday service. And we're not, not now, but we have had meals in our house churches. We've had many meals, in fact, many, many meals. Good ones, too. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we, we, we do that, right? Not many churches. I don't know of any church who has a meal. They make you go to, if some of these big monstrous churches I've been a part of, you know, they had restaurants in the church building and they made you pay for it. No, you gotta pay for this, it's not free. We're not gonna pay you, we're not gonna give you a meal. We want you to pay us. Yeah, see, they're, they're in business. That's their business operation. That's the, the way they run their business and they charge full price. No, there's, there's not, they're not a discounted price. It's not a non-profit in their restaurant. That's a for-profit restaurant in a non-profit building. How's that work? I don't know. But that's not what we're going to have. We're not going to be a selling biz commercial business as they call the church. You know, we're going to give. So we're going we're gonna to do that meal, kind of some kind of a catered lunch or breakfast lunch, brunch of some sort. Don't know how that's going to work. God, has it. God knows what we're going to do. But he's got it on my heart to pray and 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 prepare my life, prepare our church to, re to do this. <laughs> to do this. And so, and we're not going to charge. Why would we charge? Doesn't that sound kind of silly to you when I say it that way? Yeah, we're going to charge you. You know, we're going to charge you 10 bucks a head. No, you're not going to buy tickets to come to our church. Some churches, you have to buy tickets. Some churches, listen to this, some churches even sell the chair that you're going to sit in. Yeah, they sell the pew or the chair you're sitting in. you got to pay a fee to come into the church. <laughs> my mustache is in my mouth. But that's, you know, that's them, that's not us. That's their deal, and uh, they have to deal with God about that, but I'm not going to deal with that. Alright, right, so anyway, so Paul was cooking a breakfast here. Where is that? Uh, Paul besought them, take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing, nothing to eat. Here's breakfast. I made everything. Everybody take and eat. Now, did he cook breakfast? I don't know, but it, you, know, you can look at it that way. I mean, it's nothing. I'm not perverting the scripture. But it's more sun's coming up. They're going to have Paul. You know, I mean, he's kind of like maybe he had the cooks cook breakfast for him. Says, I want you guys, I want you to uh, prepare a meal for everybody. When the sun comes up, I want to, I want to have, have a meal for everybody. And they could have said, okay, sure, let's do that. I don't know. Maybe God, probably God said, I want those guys to eat because of what they're going to do next. Uh, they're going to have, they're going to need some strength because to get into the shore from where they are, it's going to take an enormous amount of strength. And believe me, the Mediterranean Sea is not warm. It is cold. <laughs> it's cold, cold, cold. And especially when the sun's coming up, it is frigid cold. And you jump in that water and you haven't eaten for 14 days, you could die. You can die. 
All right. So now they're going to turn the music up nice and loud. Oh, now he just turned it down. Thank God. They see me out here. This is a Buffalo Rose restaurant. 9.45 in the morning. There's no reason to turn the music on, but they are. They don't open for two more hours. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? But they did turn it down. Hallelujah for that. All right. <clears throat> Paul said, Take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that you have cherished, and continue fasting, having taken nothing. Verse 34. Wherefore, I pray to take some meat, for this is for your health. This is for your health. So you can see Paul's concern. Paul's been praying for everybody. Paul's been interceding, just like Jesus is doing right now. Paul's interceding. The Lord says, give them something to eat. Give them some meat. Give them some strength for their health. It's not a spiritual thing. This is for their physical body. Physical body. For health. Health for their body. Not just health for their spirit, but health for their body. Okay? Health for their body. All right. For there shall... Because it, so... For there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. Not a hair fall from any of you. Not a hair. Where's that in the Bible? God knows the numbers of our hair. All the, he, every hair is numbered, let's say. And anyways, uh, he's not subtracting. Isn't that funny? He's not, oh, here's one less here, here's one less here. He, no, not a hair will fall. That's really a something to think about. Because my hair falls all the time. You know, I put this hat on, hair be caught in my head. It pulls out of my head, you know. And, uh, and now I'm balding, too. You know, I've got no hair on the top of my head. I've got a little bit of hair, but not much. I mean, you know, <laughs> why is that, you know? <laughs> Elijah was bald, you know, as I think he was, but I don't know. It says here, not a hair will fall. All right? All right. I, uh, where am I at here? I've lost my place. Uh, uh, not a hair will fall from the head of you, any of you. Verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, gave thanks to God in, in presence of them all. Wow. What a testimony. He broke bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of everybody. Wow. That's really a testimony. He testified that not a hair is going to fall from any one of you. Everyone is going to live. We're going to lose the boat, the ship. We're going to lose all the laden, all the cargo, but we're not going to lose our life. Everyone will live. Not a hair will fall from your head. And then, God, then Paul took the bread, took the meat, gave thanks, broke it before them, offered up Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving uh, before all of them. They have to witness to that. See, so the word was preached then the, now later you'll see that the word was confirmed see how the word of god works god spoke to him to paul paul did what he said god paul spoke the word of god jesus is going to confirm the word with signs following everyone will live and so here we also know just like a testimony about the cream we know that paul was hearing from god but we know the shipmaster the owner couldn't hear from god because if he would have heard from god god was god already told paul stay there you know, stay in the, stay in, but they don't want to listen to God. So some people think they're listening to God, but they're not. They're not. Ezekiel 20, Ezekiel uh, 13, I think, says, uh, the prophets spoke, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, all that kind of stuff. And God said, I didn't say that, I didn't say that, I didn't say that. Now, kill them all. <laughs> they're my false, they're false prophets. You don't want to be a false prophet. You don't say, God told me to do that. I've seen that on the street. Just be alert to that. Be alert. All right, be alert. 
That's why you have to pray and wait upon the Lord. <clears throat> wait upon the Lord. Don't be quick. Be slow to slow to walk, slow to peace, slow to anger, slow to everything. Alright? Uh, this is for your health. Uh, give thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he be, broken it, he began to eat with everybody, right? Verse 36. And then were they all of good cheer. Wow. Isn't that great? The food that they ate provided strength to their physical bodies and their physical body felt feel full of cheer. Now, when you look at the King James de definition of cheer, it gives you the indication or the feeling or the sense that cheer means like drinking several glasses of wine, alcoholic beverage, uh, and being kind of tipsy, kind of lighthearted, kind of goofy. It's, it's, but, we're, but we're not controlled by alcohol. We're controlled by the Spirit of God. Man, oh man, it's getting cold. It's not getting warmer. I thought it was going to get warmer. It's getting colder as the day goes on, as the seconds go on. Anyways, uh, so their body became full of cheer. They were cheerful. God bless you, man. <laughs> Got to wave to all the city officials. So take some meat, right? Some meat. Began to eat, right? And uh, then they were all full. Of, then they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were all in the ship, 203 score and six. That's 266 souls, right? Souls. Not people, but souls. I think that's interesting. And when they had... I thought this all interesting because you don't hear that anymore. How many souls on board your plane? We have, you know, 310 souls on board. We don't see that anymore. They took souls out of the vocabulary of most people. They all say people. How many passengers or how many people? They took the, the value of the word souls out of their vernacular, out of their speech. Who did that? Did God? No. Satan did. Because all captains on ships, uh, trains, planes, they would how many souls do you have aboard? But you see that now. That's the kind of the trend today. We don't speak of the soul. We just take it as a person. So we take the soul out. And after a while, Christians start saying the same thing. Like I, when I pray here, I'm not praying for people. I'm praying for souls. How many souls have gone by me? That's what I pray for. You know, how many souls? God bless you. <laughs> how many souls? Right? <clears throat> Praise God. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. Okay, so they had a good time eating. They must have had a little bit of time to eat, which is good. Man, oh man. Sorry, it's cold. That wind is like a fridge, like an Arctic wind. All right, but I got extra clothes in there. I might have to put some more on. All right, so uh, uh, 200, um, the light, okay, after they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. And lighten the shipment through more cargo. And when it was day, see, so that's what I'm trying to say. There's early morning, they were eating, and then they knew not the land. So in the daytime, they could see the land. Most of the sh most people who sail the Mediterranean, we kind of know what land we're looking at. We can look at our chart. We say, well, that island is this, or that land mass is this, this peninsula is that. You know, you know, I was a navigation team, so we always knew where we were. Most ship people know, ship shipments know where they are wherever they are, even in a storm. But here, they did not know uh, where they were. Okay? And when it was day, they knew not the land. So they were like, we don't know where we are. We got so blown off course, we didn't know where we are. All right? But they discovered a certain creek, a creek. So understand, I mentioned here a few days ago, that uh, 
that the creek where they're talking about is sometimes uh, when you're going to winter in and your ship is a certain size, you can see a creek coming out of, you know, out of the island or out of the land, and it provides kind of an opening, and you can sail your boat right up into the creek. And that's where you, that's where you want to head for. Because sometimes when you head just for the beach, uh, the beach can be full of rocks. It could be a, a dangerous place. But when you go aim for a creek or a river coming out of the out of the island or the or the uh, coming out of the land, typically right there in the mouth of that river, there's no rocks. There's it's just it's all the rocks have been pushed away. So a, a sailor knows that he can sit aim for the middle of the creek or the river and he should be okay to get far enough in before being lodged on a sandbar and then people can get off the boat see so you can tell that these men are skilled sailors they're not just somebody who doesn't know what they're doing they're skilled so that's why you can't put these sailors down they were just obeying the owner of the ship when he said let's go Maybe a lot of the sailors knew, hey, we probably shouldn't leave. That soft wind from the south blowing is a false wind. I know that because this time of season, there's no such thing as a soft uh, southerly breeze. It's wintertime and it's, you know, we've got strong winds, tumultuous winds. But the owner disregarded his crew. Like I was in navigation, we told the captain where to go. And the captain could say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. That happened several times. And then now the captain has to take responsibility. Before that, we had to have responsibility. Of course, the captain overall had the responsibility of the ship. But uh, we, as sailors, knew how to operate the ship. Sometimes uh, uh, commissioned officers, uh, they've never sailed a boat. You know, but us sailors, we knew how to sail the ship. And uh, so sometimes the new uh, junior LT, you know, the new lieutenants coming on board, uh, they have to take instruction from sailors because they don't know how to sail the boat. <laughs> and so they learn. And then after a while, they figured it out. So just like a preacher, you know, you learn from another preacher. You don't copy him. You learn from another preacher. And then you go off with the Lord. And, you know, it's just kind of how it goes, you know. Man, I'm cool. All right. <clears throat> So they turn the music back up. It's crazy, isn't it? When they had eaten enough, okay, and it was day, they knew not the land, they discovered a creek with a shore into which they were minded. Okay, they're minding you to see what's going on. If it were possible to thrust in the ship. See, that's, I just explained it just now. All right, verse 40. And when they had taken up the anchors, remember the anchors, they had four anchors out the stern, holding the boat from crashing onto the rocks. So they cut the anchors loose, right? And they had taken up the anchors. They committed themselves to the sea, right, to the sea. Boom, the sea coming, the sea, the, the sea behind them, pushing them into the ocean, to the, to the land. And loose the rudder bands. So the rudder bands were holding the rudder in place because if the rudder would turn this way, it could breach the ship. So these guys are very skilled. You can see they're very skilled. But the funny thing is about this, people read the Bible like it's some kind of a mystery novel, and they read it so fast they don't understand. Every word of God is pure. That's why I'm talking right now, and I'm bringing these things up. Because if you read it, you know, what am I reading the book about sailing for? There's so many bits and pieces in here that have great value to our spirit and to our faith. You know? Anyways, enough of that committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. As soon as they hoisted that mainsail, 
boom, they're gone. They're, they're committed now. There's no, no turning back. Once you commit, no turning back. They couldn't say, oh, we've changed our mind. Sorry, too late now, too late now. That's what happens when people go into sin. Once you walk into that bar, once you invite that girl to bed uh, and you get undressed and you go to bed, sorry, it's too late now, you can't back out, you sin. Like that alcohol, like those drugs, you take, sorry, once you've committed, you can't back out sometimes. Think about that. That's what's in value of reading the Bible slowly. You'll see that commitment is very important. And you meditate in the scripture, say, man, commitment more important than I realize. It is. And, and once you commit, you can't turn back. Once you commit, you can't turn back. That's why a you know, semi-trailer, I ran a semi-truck for 40 years, and once you make a change or a turn, uh, you're committed. You can't just, oh, I'm not gonna do that now. Now in a car, you can kind of turn off, oh, I can't, I don't wanna do that. But trucks can't do that. You know, once you're committed, you're committed, you know? And you can't back off. That's why, you know, when small two, I can go on all kinds of stories there about committed. I've taught a lot about commitment. People don't get that still. You know, commitment has, let me say one more thing. Commitment has within it a, uh, a due diligence type situation to look at what you're going to be committing to and survey the situation and count the cost. Because once you uh, commit, and, and commitment looks like this, it means you go do it. Once you go do it, you're committed. Now you quit. That tells everybody you didn't count the cost, you didn't pray, you didn't wait upon the Lord, that uh, you just flippantly did something, and a lot of it is just out of curiosity. And sometimes curiosity doesn't have very good benefits. There's a lot of people who come out to preach with me, dozens and dozens of people who have come up, who've committed themselves to come out to minister, and now they've all quit. They've all quit because they didn't assay the situation. They didn't count the cost. They didn't, they didn't look at their commitment. And then once you've committed some, you've committed. And now you back off. Shame on you. But that's how people are. They don't understand commitment because most churches don't teach on commitment. It's like when you get married, you're committed to your husband. When you get saved, you're committed to Jesus. Yeah, you're committed. You've started. Once you've, once you've started living for Christ, living as a, a wife of Christ, Christ is our husband, we're the wife. Marriage situation, study on marriage. Study how to be a good marriage partner. Yeah, how about that? A marriage partner will commit to the marriage. Commit. Anyways, you can talk on commitment for a long time. But if you read this really fast, you'll, you won't even see it. You'll read it so fast, you won't even see it. And the reason why you read it so fast, because the Word of God really, truly, listen, is really not that important to you. What's important is you read it. I read the Bible. What did it say? Well, I read the Bible. Well, can you preach on it now? Well, no, I read the Bible. Well, you know, see, you could preach on commitment for an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know. And that's what I'm trying to demonstrate to people. You can preach, especially those who are going through the true study classes and going through the books. You go through those books faithfully, you commit to it. A lot of people already know that now. A lot of people have already committed to the class, they committed to the class, they committed to the book, and guess what? They're not doing it anymore. That's life. People do that. They do things, 
without praying, without seeking the Lord, without seeking the counsel, and they just do something because it feels good. All right. Now you can repent and say, boy, Lord, I apologize for that. Help me to do it, really commit, and to keep doing it forever and ever, you know? A lot of people do things out of curiosity. And to me, curiosity is like entertainment. That's, it's, it is, it opens doors that you cannot shut. It is really not good. Entertainment is not what you think it is. All right, anyway, I don't wanna go there anymore. Let's keep on going here. All right, let's go down to hoist the man and fall. Okay, verse 41, fall into a place. Uh, let's go up a little higher. Uh, loose the rudder bands, hoist the mainsail, and made toward shore, and fall into a place where two seas met. Two seas met. They ran the ship aground, and the forepart, you know, the bow, stuck fast and remained unmovable. Unmovable. But the hinder part, the rear part of the ship, was broken. So they ran the boat onto the ground, and when those ocean waves, the waves were breaking against that end of the ship, it literally just damaged and broke it. And started falling apart, breaking from the rear up. There's a lot of violence here, <clears throat> right? And the forefront stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Can you see all the spiritual connotations here the spiritual side of this i mean i could just see so many many stories here for give you a story just something i like talking about a lot so the forefront the stern of the i mean the uh the bow of the ship was stuck unmovable now who uh the the verse that comes to my mind who was stuck and unmovable when they left Sodom and gomorrah lot and who's behind lot who is the hinder part of lot who is the who is following in behind Lot, his wife. And what does the wife do? His wife turned back and looked back and began to break apart. Can you see that? It's like your life. When you have, when your front of your life is stuck onto uh, the Lord and you look back, what happens is before looking back, your, your old life breaks apart and falls away breaks off into the sea, but your front part is unmovable. It's stuck in the sand. However, if you turn and look back to the back part of the ship, the back end of your life, you could be dizzy, you can be upset, and you can fall into the sea with all the broken pieces, and that wood would hit you, and you could die and drown in the water. You see that? That's why you don't look back. Once you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. Once you've left the world, you leave the world behind. You don't keep bringing the world forward and bringing the world forward. That's what Christians do. They bring the world forward. They keep the world around them. They keep looking like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, instead of looking in the pure Word of God and, and, and learning what the Word of God says about what they should look like, how they should live, how they should talk. But they don't want that. They want to look cool. They want to look up. They want to look in step. They want to look faddish. They want to relate to everybody. So they get their tattoos. They pierce their bodies up. They put earrings in their ears. They put earrings in their nose and their tongue, their belly button and everywhere else. They tattoo themselves up. They put unholy, unholy clothes on. They cut their hair in an unholy manner. And they sing and worship in an unholy God, an unholy, yeah, unholy God, an unholy mannerism. 
Yeah, you can see churches nowadays, the men and women are unholy on stage, saying we're worshiping God in an unholy manner. God's, God's turned his way. He won't look at that. He won't look at that. If you, just, you can look around, you can see what's going on in the churches. We won't have that. Our church is filled with holiness, and I pray the Holy Ghost quickens every single person who has defiled their body, that they stop defiling their body, and they repent from that. That's, now I can't say anything, because they'll be offended. Oh, you offended me, John. I'm leaving, I'm quitting. Fine, go, now there's the door. But if I pray in the Holy Ghost, and pray for the Spirit of God, that the, that the Holy Ghost will convict people, then I have a better chance of uh, getting people to clean their life up and to be holy and pure and righteous and pure before the Lord God Almighty. And, uh, but we'll see how that goes, all right? <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I, I do the same thing. I'm always looking at myself too, making sure I do things correctly. I mean, I'm not naive to think that Satan can't get to me. Falling on the seas, okay. Uh, the forepart stuck fast, remained moving, but the hinder part was broken up with the violence of the waves. Verse 2. Uh, and the soldiers' council, the soldiers' council, the council, their, their handbook, their council was, was that they're to kill us. If something like this happens, their job is to shoot all the prisoners, to kill all the prisoners. Right? That's what it says here. And the soldiers' council was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, who the boss was, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. Kept them from their purpose. That's pretty cool. God put a, God used a man who didn't know God, didn't know Jesus, because Jesus was real. <laughs> didn't know Jesus, but God used him anyways. I've ministered to lots and lots of people Word of knowledge and word of wisdom. I've prayed for people for their healing. Ask them, are you saved? No, I don't know Jesus. God cares for everybody, not just the believers. He cares for every single soul. Every soul he cares for. I pray for people for their healing if they're not saved. If they're sick, I pray for them. You know? I just don't pray for them to get saved and forget about their healing for their body. Sometimes I'll start with the healing. I've led people to the Lord by healing them first. <laughs> How about that? That's in the Bible too, right? Healing them first. Let me turn this around. I'm gonna do this. I was gonna do this earlier. Thought this would be kind of different. Now let's do this for a second. But healing them first and then inviting them to Christ. And guess what happens? Every case, they receive Christ. Now this only happened a handful of times, but it's pretty interesting, all right? So this man here was being used of God even though we don't think that he's saved, but God is using him. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose to kill them all and commanded that they which could swim, swim, could, uh, should cast themselves first in the sea and get to land. Apparently, some of the soldiers were unable to swim. And uh, so they received help. Instead of killing them, the sailors helped the people that they were going to kill. Isn't that funny? You kind of see that in here if you look at it. You kind of see that. All right. Let me do this here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm looking forward to my coffee. Sitting right there. Swim <laughs> right. to cast themselves in the sea. All right, verse 44. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship, 
So it came to pass that they all, that they escaped all safe to land. They all escaped safe to land. Now you think about that. They all escaped safe to land. But you know that, uh, and the whole story goes on, that the Noah's Ark, there were more people that could have come on board. There was plenty of room in the Ark, plenty of room for more people. But only eight chose to be saved. Only eight. Now you can choose to be saved or not be saved. You can say, I don't really believe anything John's saying. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe any of that stuff. I think that's all a bunch of stupid stuff. That's ridiculous. Anybody who preaches the gospel is stupid. You can say all that. It's okay. You know, we already know that Jesus told that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I'm sorry that you're perishing. You don't know it now, but you're going to find out that what we're speaking is true. But when you find out that it's true after you die, it's going to be too late for you. It's too late. Once you die, that's it. Because after the first death comes the second death. If you've not received Christ. Because after the first death, the books are open. Your name's not found written in the book of life. You experience the second death, which is the lake of fire for all eternity. Forever and ever and ever. Everlasting fire. Never quenches, never goes out. Eternal damnation. So make sure you keep telling people about Christ. Don't stop. Don't stop telling people about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we'll, we will pray and we will seek your counsel. We will seek all the counsel of the Lord and we will lift up your name and we will display your name here in Golden, Colorado for all those who have eyes to see, to see your word, to see your name, that they can have that in their mind when they go home and it just doesn't leave their thought. Jesus Christ, which is on my banner, Jesus Christ, Jesus, 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 and they eventually break down and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, if you're real, here I am. Yeah, I thank you, Lord, for saving those that may pray tonight to receive you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. And we dedicate all this to you, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Boy, is it cold. All right, so uh, I think that's it. Let me turn it back over this way. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of cool. I can't see where the camera is because I got the back facing camera. Anyways, today's Friday, my Friday, and tomorrow's my Sabbath. I take the rest, I rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, my Sabbath. And I'll write the next week's Sunday prayer letter, and we'll be writing on uh, Acts 28, the very last chapter of the week. And it's also week number 50 next week, week number 50. I think that's kind of cool because we started on, on day 50, day of Pentecost. And we've gone all through this year, and we're ending on week 50. That is just amazes me to no end. Because when I started, I heard the Lord say, you'll finish on week 50. And I took that note, I noted that as a notable miracle to me, because uh, I thought that would be like, that would be a miracle. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I said, planning it out, I said, well, it doesn't look like it's gonna be 50 to me. It looks like maybe 47 or 48 to me, Lord. This is going to be week 50. I mean, I don't know. Maybe 51, 50. I don't know. It's crazy, though. And uh, you can say, well, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. But that's what the Lord said when I first started it. He says, you'll finish on week 50. Start on day 50, you go to week 50. That's pretty cool. So God's a cool God. Serve him all your days of your life. Endure to the end, and you'll be saved. God bless you, man. I love you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.